District of Conservation is sponsored by CFACT. To learn more about our sponsor, head over to CFACT.org. Thank you so much for listening to the show. Welcome to episode 216 of the podcast. I am your host, Gabriella Hoffman. Today, I'm going to be sharing with you guys some extended interviews I did with Arthur and Tyler from Cameron Energy, and I teased yesterday that Cameron Energy would be featured in the second episode of Micro's new program, How America Works, on Fox Business, and I hope you got to catch that, and if you didn't, you should check it out. It's a great program, really highlighting people who work in intensive but very important industries, and you will have seen Cameron Energy there. So I will let you guys get to know Arthur Stewart, who is the president, and then Obviously, Tyler Martin, who is the environmental care coordinator, and Tyler was our phenomenal guide to northwestern Pennsylvania. He showed us the ropes. He took us to all these different scenes. He was very involved in ensuring that we saw the process, get some B-roll, do all critically important things, and he allowed me to do some fishing, too, on the premises, so that was a lot of fun. So you'll get to meet Arthur and Tyler in this installment. Once we drop part two, you'll get to meet some of the other people we interacted with in my fracking series for my Conservation Nation video. So let me know what you think. Get to know Arthur and Tyler of Cameron Energy. We're definitely afraid of this infrastructure bill because of the tags that come along with it. Right. It's, it's evil language in there. They treat us like evil people. Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, my, I, I, my granddaughter was born prematurely, and in the first six hours she had, I believe, five operations, and that was to put plastic tubes in her, plastic tubes made of oil and gas, that she'd have died if she hadn't had that problem. Nobody thinks about the benefits of oil and gas when they're out there denigrating it. No. So, so we, go, ahead. go ahead. No, I was just going to say, we benefited from... Look at me or look forward? Where is he? Looking at me, right? Yeah. Okay. You'll look at me, Arthur. Okay, I gotcha. <laughs> so I'll be, like, introduce yourself, explain what we did, and then talk about how... Short, passionate answers. Yeah, short, passionate answers, yes. That's when I hit people. Okay. Ready? Yep. All right, Arthur, why don't you introduce yourself? Sure. Your position with Cameron Energy. Talk about what we just did as well. Well, I'm president of Cameron... Oh, sorry. I'm Arthur Stewart. I'm president of Cameron Energy. We formed 33 years ago, hard to believe. Uh, We just pumped a well. This well was actually completed in the 1970s. It was a hydrofractured well been hydrofracturing here since the uh, 1960s. Before hydrofracturing, we shot wells with nitroglycerin, so we've been cracking the formations either with water through hydrofracturing or nitroglycerin for 150 years. Talk about, let's say, the misconceptions about fracking or this type of structure. record? All right. Okay. What is so unique about this device, and why does fracking get a bad rap? you think? So this device is a pump jack and it's pumping the oil that migrated to the well bore, but that oil wouldn't move to the well bore if we weren't able to hydrofracture. These natural sand, or the natural gas that was in the sands when this was first drilled was depleted well over a century ago. And so you have to crack open the oil bearing rock to make the oil uh, come. And as I say, they used to crack it open with nitroglycerin and then starting about 60 years ago, we began cracking it open with water and sand through hydrofracture. How does this compare to, let's say, renewable energy sources? And what deficiencies do you see with those uh, so-called emerging energy or emerging uh, processes coming out? So oil and gas gets a bad rap 
because folks say it's, it's not green, but the point to make is there is no such thing as, as green energy. In other words, every source of energy has an impact, a footprint. If we talk about uh, wind and solar and think of it as, as pure, uh, we're, we're thinking wrong because it, it takes an enormous amount of fossil fuels to, to manufacture uh, a wind turbine or a solar panel. You have to mine ore. They talk about a Tesla battery. Um, it's a thousand pound Tesla battery, but it takes 500,000 pounds of ore to manufacture that battery, and that ore is being manufactured by by fossil fuels. Um, you talk about the footprint. This little oil well turns out an incredible amount of energy because oil is so energy intense. But if you take a comparison between a, a gas well and its footprint of, of a small acre, let's say, it, it takes 200 times that footprint for wind turbines to make the same amount of energy. So there, there is no such thing as green energy. Okay, Arthur, so talk about petrochemical byproducts, and then could you explain in terms of calories burned, how does a device like this compare to, let's say, it solar and wind? Sure. So we, we think of oil mostly associated with transportation, and oil does provide 95% of the transportation energy around the world. But we forget that oil is the source of our petrochemicals. We use almost 12 million barrels a day of oil to make all the plastics that go into hospitals for syringes, catheter tubes. Um, the one-off plastic that got used in COVID, it was brought to your home by virtue of, of, of oil, and, and we wouldn't know how to survive today. We, we think of uh, plastic or oil products as bad things, but my goodness, it's the stuff that keeps your food fresh. Why do we wrap it in cellophane? We, we, we forget about the benefits, and we only talk about what we perceive as the, as the bad things from oil and gas. But there's not a person on Earth that isn't using oil in some way every year, and here in America, we use more per capita than, than any other country and couldn't live without, without it in our, in our way. So, so we forget the magic qualities of oil. There is so much energy built into a... It's Again, okay. oh no. I forgot what the question was. All right, calorie consumption. Yes, all right. Or, uh, traditional fuel sources versus what is emerging, so to speak. Sure, we, we, we forget how much energy is contained in a, in a gallon of oil. Yeah, there's about 300 to 500 hours of human labor, labor in every gallon of gasoline. So you just take the typical five-gallon can of gasoline, that represents the labor that one person would spend in an entire year. It's a magic fuel. It, it, it replaces all the labor that we used to have to do for agriculture and turns it into a tractor that's powered by a small can of, of diesel fuel. I'm, I, I favor every form of energy because we need cheap, reliable energy. but. When you compare the energy intensity of oil to wind and solar, it's no comparison. Wind and solar are so diffuse that you can't turn them into any practical use uh, immediately unless you have a lot of them. And then if, you, if, if it's not shining at the sun or if the wind isn't blowing, you have to have some way to store it, whereas oil comes in its own storage vessel. So the, the difference is enormous, but we don't think about that difference. Uh, be, because we don't think about energy, you take it for granted. Well, all fossil fuels, but in my business, oil and gas, are amazing. They're, they're magic fuels. They, they contain so much energy, but because people are so used to having them, they ignore the incredible qualities. So a gallon of gasoline is 
representative of the work that it would take a human being 300 to 500 hours to do. So a five-gallon can of gasoline represents a person's labor for an entire year. And these magic machines have transformed our life. We, we bring our food to the table. Nobody recognizes that there's 10 calories of energy behind every one calorie of food that arrives at our table. And that energy is almost all oil in terms of either transporting it or natural gas in terms of fertilizer. People are entirely ignorant that all the world's fertilizer comes from, from natural gas. And if we didn't have natural gas and the fertilizer, we'd never be able to feed 8 billion people on the planet. In fact, without fertilizer, you'd be able to feed something on the order of about 2 billion people. And then on the other side of the coin, folks think that oil and gas is so dirty compared to other fuels, but they're simply not aware that there is no such thing as any form of green energy. If we just take by comparison what's in the news today, people are so keen on on wind and solar. I think every kind of energy is great, but we have to, to be realistic about the, the costs and the environmental impacts of every form of energy. So you take um, wind energy and you, you forget all the fossil fuels, all the energy required to mine the minerals. We talk about wanting to have electric cars. Well, every electric car has a battery. A Tesla has a thousand pound battery. It takes 500,000 pounds of ore to make that one battery. It takes enormous quantities of water to purify that 500,000 pounds of ore. And all that water is pumped by, by fossil fuels. And all that ore is mined by an excavator that's powered by diesel fuel. And then you have to transport the wind turbine into its place. And then you have to level the ground. Again, fossil fuels are doing that. You have to pour the cement pad. Well, coal. Uh, is used to build the steel and, and concrete comes from, from, from fossil fuel manufacturer, from the mining, and then you erect it. You're going to use fossil fuel power equipment to erect it. It's going to take an enormous amount of space. If you compare the space occupied by one natural gas well and the energy produced by that natural gas well, it takes anywhere from 200 to 1,000 times the space for all the wind turbines that you have to populate out there to equal that same energy yielded by that one natural gas well. But people don't think about that because it's not in their back backyard. And then people forget that wind turbines are not renewable. They wear out after about 20 to 25 years. And even before they're completely worn out, they're much less efficient because the wind is eroding the turbine blades. And so they have to be torn down. They have to be disposed of, and again, all that requires fossil fuels, and then they have to be manufactured all over again. My, my point is there is no such thing as, as energy without impact, and people are just prone to think, oh, oil and gas are bad because they have impact. Well, everything has impact. That's great. And then a lot of people are seem kind of disconnected from the rural lifestyle, and I think if they just came out here, we're driving around and you don't recognize that there's an oil well off to our right, there's an oil well 
up here, we live in the Allegheny National Forest, which is about 550,000 acres in size. All told, the forest has about 10,000 conventional wells spread throughout that 500,000 acres. Yet here we are in a forest that pronounces that it has the cleanest water in the state. If, if oil and gas wells uh, are polluting the environment around here, and mind you, we've had oil and gas wells here since 1859, so over 150 years worth of that history. Even in the face of that history and the 10,000 wells that are there today, we have the cleanest water in the state, according to the Allegheny National Forest. My name's Tyler Martin. I'm the Environmental Care Coordinator for Cameron Energy Company. And Cameron is a conventional oil and gas company in uh, Warren County, Pennsylvania. And uh, we are one of the more active operators in northwestern Pennsylvania, drilling for oil and natural gas. And we, uh, we have a very good track record. We, we have a very clean environment. We take pride in the work that we do. Um, I'm standing adjacent to an, an orphan and abandoned well um, in northwestern Pennsylvania. And this well we're going to plug. And plugging means we're going to pull everything out of it and we're going to run cement down into it. And so it's safely put to bed. So it's put to rest. It can't commingle groundwater or surface water with the oil and gas and it doesn't release any methane to the, uh, to the atmosphere anymore. So plugging is a very good thing that our industry does, and we are going to, at our own expense, plug this well this year. Could I also ask you about, um, they say that fracking can cause earthquakes. Can we also talk about that too? Yeah, that's, uh, so there's... It's better to ask the Clark family tomorrow. Uh, you can ask them. They'll have a comical. They're, they're, okay. yeah. Well, I want but, to also include that as part of the misconceptions, like. Yeah, the, yeah, the, okay. So there's, there's a few misconceptions out there. Um, not, not long ago, we had, uh, there was an earthquake event in Ohio, and everybody said, oh my God, this is due to fracking. That's not true. Fracking doesn't cause earthquakes. If they, if we did cause earthquakes, we would cause hundreds of them a year. That doesn't happen. That's just a misconception. That's the media twisting the facts. And that is not anything that happens in our area. Hydrofracturing, we've been hydrofracturing here since the early 60s, and we've been doing it safely that whole time. What else would you like to plug in? Um, <laughs> uh, let's, let's, let's go. Our state has the most, our Commonwealth has the most in the in the United States, most orphan wells, because we have the longest history of oil and gas development. And this is not a modern well. This was original well. This, this well would have been undoubtedly drilled in the late 1800s, early 1900s, and has been since abandoned. This isn't something that modern operators such as us left behind, but this is something that we volunteer to plug all the time. And we've plugged many orphan wells, um, and the state has hundreds of thousands of these to plug. And if you look right here, this is open to atmosphere. This is actually uh, releasing methane right now. Cool. That's <laughs> on my heart. Yeah. I just want to save the Republic so that we can continue to operate on our private property. Because without private property rights, we're just any other country, and we need to preserve our private property rights. 
So whether it's whether it's timber, whether it's oil and gas, private property is private property, and it's very critical to our public. Yeah. What do you think, Tundra? Hi, what do you think, Tundra? She likes private property. Private property is a lot of fun for her. All the wildlife. Tundra has the esteemed um, title of wildlife regulator. She thinks that she she must regulate all wildlife. Uh-huh. Oh boy. <laughs> That's great. Describe rural uh, Western Pennsylvania. Western Pennsylvania is as country as it comes. Uh, uh, Florida Georgia line doesn't have anything on us. So you know, we, you know, we're we're just hardworking, calloused hand folks. We're red blooded Americans, and we're just carving our living out just like our forefathers did here whether it's timber or oil and gas that's very important to our area and very important to preserve for our future what's your message to people that have mischaracterized you all and kind of put you in one bucket and just like kind of had that they have this elitist attitude that like oh Vegan you're, culture is superior, and these you're 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 just you're you're flat out wrong, and you're you're spoiled by our energy success, and um, we're not here to contaminate the environment. We live here. This is this is our backyard. Everybody likes to scream "Nimby, Nimby!" Not in my backyard, but I say, you know, I'm happy to drill oil and gas wells here because we can do it more environmentally safe than anywhere else in the world. And we have been doing it. It's just we haven't controlled the narrative, and we let the narrative get away from people that don't understand. Oh, my goodness. I heard that. Yeah. That's good. They need to be dead. That's how you bend the knee. Yes. Talk about how the oils and crops and it got to be helpful for people. So, yeah, I think um, making the analogy that, you know, conventional, small small business, family-run organizations, such as you're seeing here today with Gas and Oil Management and with Cameron, is that we're more akin to small family farms as opposed to the big industrial complexes of what you normally think with oil and gas. So we're small farms. The guys just want me to grab... <laughs> uh, well, people in general humanize Mother Nature, but the environmentalists really like to humanized mother nature is as a mother but she's not really a mother she's uh she's not very uh loving if you go out in the middle of the wilderness but nature does provide just as long as you manage it that's what we do manage resources It, it seems anymore everybody uh characterizes oil and gas and fossil fuels in general as these corporations of evil and, um, you know, a lot of our oil and gas is produced by small businesses. And, you know, uh, you know, Cameron Energy and a lot of the folks up here in northwestern Pennsylvania, we, you know, we're not that. We're, we're, not, we're not big corporations. And I don't have big problems with big corporations. We're small family farms. And we just farm. We don't farm crops on top of the surface. We're farming oil and natural gas under under the surface and you know it, it's it's disheartening to to be characterized that way it's disheartening to see people moving away from our reliable 
fossil fuels and fossil fuels are in everything and these unreliable you know sources of you know supposed green energy they you know they produce one product at most our our oil our natural gas goes into hundreds if not thousands of products our crude oil that's produced from this well right here uh, it, it goes to a refinery and it produces a minimum of 120 products per, you know, out of each barrel of oil and even more products to get further refined. So I, you know, you don't want to be characterized as evil. We're not evil. We're not doing anything to intentionally harm the environment. We are making our living here. We are producing a reliable source of energy and we are just trying to make our homes and our homes here, uh, we want them to be clean. We wouldn't intentionally hurt the environment. Was that good? Yeah. And if the environment was so bad, why do we have such great water quality here? Why do we have such beautiful forests? It's just not a narrative that makes any sense. Inconvenient truth. Amen. <laughs> yeah, what was his name? Al Gore. Uh, wait. Oh, no, no. The, 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 the I thought it was Inconvenient Facts. Was it Wrightstone that wrote that book? That was a very good. So. Yeah, that was a good. Thank you for listening to the show. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Make sure you're following us on your preferred podcast player. We like to recommend Apple Podcasts because Apple is where most of hails from. So if you head over to Apple, subscribe some episodes, and leave us reviews, would be we'd be more than appreciative of your support in that manner. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to never miss a beat nor a guest announcement. And you can connect with me personally on my social media feeds. All of the Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram links that I have are all denoted by blue check marks. Really easy to find me. So engage with me there. I'd love to hear your thoughts. If you want to recommend yourself for the show as a prospective guest, I'm all ears to hear and sift through different inquiries. I get a lot of requests and my schedule is also quite busy. So you'll see guests come from me and I'm, but like I said, I'm always open to different guests coming on the show.